0: Out, this Yo, this is uh, Anthony Showtime Pettis. This is Frankie, the Answer, Edgar, and you're listening to MMA Sucker
1: Radio. This is, this is, MMA, this is MMA Sucker Radio. We cover all sucker things sucker MMA, fight breakdowns MMA. and recaps, and fighter interviews, Fighters. Fighters. and all the latest news Fighters. from the world of mixed martial arts. Martial martial arts. MMA sucker Radio. sucker Radio. You've just been, been sucker punched.
2: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of Sucker Radio here on MMAsucker.com. I've got a doozy for you here today. And guess what? Yep, yeah, I'm back. I'm back again. Two weeks in a row. Would you believe it? I would not because <laughs> it's been forever since I've done an episode. Uh, today, I'm going to talk about the fight cards coming up this weekend, but we also have an interview. With a living legend of mixed martial arts as well as professional wrestling, that is Ken Shamrock. I did not do this interview. Dylan Boker did the interview uh, with Ken to talk about his new promotion, Valor Bare Knuckle. I'd love to thank Jen Wank, uh, PR for Bare Knuckle, Valor Bare Knuckle, uh, for helping me out landing this interview and uh, letting my boy Dylan over there at MMASucker.com, do the interview. The article is up on the website now. It's called Ken Shamrock, Valor BK, The Next Great BKB Promotion. You can check out the written interview in detail over at MMASucker.com, and the interview with Ken that that written interview was based upon will be coming up in just a little bit's time. Today, earlier today, earlier Friday, we had one Championship dreams of gold go down from Bangkok, Thailand. Bangkok, Thailand. Sorry. Uh, slurred the words there as I'm so excited about the fight card UFC 241 this weekend. Uh, so before I get into that, I'll go over some of the results from the main card, which aired live on Bleacher Report Live. Stamp Fairtex defeats Asha Roka in the main event. Submission, Rear Naked Choke, round number three. Alex Silva tapped out Steffer Rohardian in the second round with an armbar. Yusup Sadilav defeated Shuya Kamakubo via unanimous decision. And Tan Lee defeated Kotetsu Boku, surprised by this one. This one was a pretty big upset. In the very first round by knockout. So that was that for that event. And as I said, big event coming up August 17th, tomorrow, Saturday, the day after I'm recording this, UFC 241 Daniel Cormier versus Stipe Miocic 2 goes down live on pay-per-view If you don't have a link for this ESPN Plus, you can check it out over at MMASucker.com as well. And what an event this bad boy is! Let's go over it from top to bottom, bottom to top. Preliminary card goes down on UFC Fight Pass or UFC ESPN Plus at 3:15 p.m. Pacific time, 6:15 p.m. Eastern time. Shayna Dobson, Sabina Mazzo. Brandon Davis takes on Kyung Ho Kang. And Hannah Cyphers takes on Jody Escabel. Pretty good preliminary card. Moving over to ESPN at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. We got Manny Bermudez. Undefeated Bermudez. Our guy Brian Gerson loves this guy. Not to be a homer by any means, but this guy. Three first-round finishes inside the UFC Octagon. 14-0 overall taking on Casey Kenny, who is 11-1-1. One one. That could easily earn Fight of the Night honors, but we've got quite the card ahead of us. So Christos Diagos takes on Dracar Close. Rafael Assuncao back inside the octagon against Corey Sanhagen. And Devonte Smith takes on Camel Worthy in the preliminary card main event. I hate that. I don't know why I'm saying that. The featured bout on the preliminary card, Devontae Smith versus Kamaworthy. There, that sounded a little better. Now, kicking off the main card, pay-per-view. You can check it out on your TV, on pay-per-view, or on ESPN plus the app. 7 p.m. Pacific time, 10 p.m. Eastern time, we've got Derek Brunson versus Ian Heinch. Gabriel Benitez versus Sadiq Youssef. And then we get to the big boys. Not the heavyweights but these guys look like they could be fighting at heavyweight as they are two monster behemoths and one man will be hitting the canvas, almost guaranteed. We got Paulo Costa versus Yoel Romero leading us in to the return of Stockton's bad boy, Nate Diaz, who didn't even show up to media day because he was at the Open Workouts already, smoking a spliff. If you haven't seen that, check it out online. Nate Diaz, UFC 241 Open Workouts. (laughs) Absolutely hilarious. Takes on Anthony Pettis in the evening's co-main event, which brings us right into the main event. As I said already, Daniel Cormier versus Stipe Miocic. Miocic hasn't been inside the octagon since the Cormier loss, where Daniel Cormier earned the heavyweight title. A rematch of their previous bout. So friggin' excited for this one. And if that wasn't enough, we have Ryzen 18 going down right after that one ends. Well, maybe a few hours after that one ends because it's from Japan. But wow, we got the main card. Mantle cap against Takeya Mizugaki. Oh my goodness! Uh, Trent Gurdum versus Victor Henry. Victor Henry is a prodigy of Josh Barnett. He's 6-0. Very, very fun fight that one is. And uh, we got Suwanen Boonsorn versus Ayaka Hamasaki. And in the main event, Kyoji Horiguchi takes on Kai Asakura. Once again, that goes down just a few hours after UFC 241. And that is Ryzen Fighting Federation 18 live on Fight TV. We'll have results for you for all of those over at MMAsucker.com. So without further ado, let me get right into the interview that Dylan Boker had with Ken Shamrock.
0: <laughs>
1: to be talking to an individual who is helming a very exciting promotion right now everybody knows him through his exploits in mixed martial arts and now getting out here with valor bare knuckle and i've got ken shamrock on the program to talk a little bit about that how's your day going so far there ken
0: Oh, awesome man just um loving my uh new promotion and all the attention it's getting and we look forward to being able to talk more about it hopefully educating people on what bare knuckle is
1: yeah, absolutely, and I'm kind of wondering when, like, the preliminary plans started getting rolling for this bare knuckle promotion because this seems, you know, very exciting and everything like that. But when was the initial dialogue getting rolling for creating this promotion?
0: Well, I know with uh, me and my business partner, Gus Woodruff, uh, we talked about this for four or five years. Um, I, 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 because of my love for it, early on, um, when I first started fighting, it was bare knuckle and. I really loved it. I felt almost like there was this pureness about it. Like there was, there was no excuses. It was just you and them, and going there. And it's Barinov and going, and, you know, and you fight to win. And it was just something pure about it, man. And then all of a sudden, Tank David comes out with these gloves on, and the first time anybody's wore you know gloves into a ring, and and he um, started punching people. And uh, early on, I think the promotion. Uh, saw an opportunity there to be able to protect the guys that were winning their fights, so they could come back and fight in another month or two months, depending on what how long the promotions were. Right, they could bring a guy back and fight again because he's a fan favorite. But if they kept hurting their hands, you know, then that became a problem. So I think they saw it as an opportunity to be able to protect um, the guys that were winning, um, but they sold it as a bill of goods as trying to protect the fighters on a whole, and uh, that that's just not the case. Um, so I, my love for that sport was bare knuckle, and then all of a sudden it changed into something else. And they were being sold all this other stuff about their gloves and being safer, and all of a sudden it morphed into what we see today. And uh, I always thought in my mind, like, you know, bare knuckle is my love. It's something I knew was just pure, something real pure about that. Um, and I always wanted to go back to it and never had that opportunity. And, and, I would have to say probably a couple of years after I had stepped away uh, from MMA and tried to get my breath to figure out what I was going to do next. I ended up hooking up with my business partner, Jess Woodruff and we started doing different business ventures together. And I brought up, uh, you know, my thought of being able to bring back Baron Uncle. And Of course, Dan's is a numbers guy, you know, he works in the stock market, you know, he always looked at trends. So it brought his awareness to Baron Uncle, So he started looking at stuff and, um, and his point thought was like yeah um, I get it. it was you know he, he understood what I was saying uh, but in his mind he was like it's too early to the market um, and of course I started learning a lot of that business up to him of, of uh, timing and everything and so as soon as we started seeing this thing rise up in the world of what we call the social media where they were having these street brawls and street beats and all these other things that were happening. People fighting barefisted, and they started getting millions and millions of views uh, of these different things that were happening in social media. And so we said, you know what? That's, that's the time that now is the time to start trying to jump on this and bring back that dream. And so we started to put the pieces together as Um, It's a business-minded guy. He put the business team together and uh, structured it, and of course, me being the face. Um, And we just started moving forward and started looking at all the things that were going on around us, checking out the different things that were happening with the other new organizations coming out, allowing them to jump into the market so that we could see where we were at, you know, kind of as a barometer of of the excitement of bare knuckle. And so we kind of let, them kind of lead the way so we can kind of get a direction on what to do and what not to do. And so um, and everything we did was very strategic and very well planned out um, as we moved into this market. And once we saw how popular it was really becoming, um, that's when we said, okay, we're going to throw our hat over the fence. We're going to go all in on this, put everything else aside, and we're going to produce a first-class uh, team of killers uh, that will help us bring bare-knuckle from the dark to the light, so that way people can respect it, and respect it because that's where it belongs. And so that's really how this all got started, was that it was a dream of mine long, long ago. I passed it on to Des, the dream I had. He did the numbers and the research and the timing um, and all the things that went along with that, put the team together, and now here we are ready to, to at least in my opinion, to be able to launch Valor bare-knuckle that I believe Will bring back what it sure it has, has deserved all along, and that's the respect of Bare Knuckle.
1: Yeah, and how do you go about getting that across? Because I think people have this like certain surface area perception about bare-knuckle boxing, but the metrics sort of validate this idea that maybe the rate of serious injuries is you know much less in bare-knuckle boxing as compared to maybe some other combat sports. So like, how are you going to go about presenting bare-knuckle boxing where you feel like it's the most, I guess, accurate representation of what the art form is?
0: Well, I think the first thing we've got to do is we got to educate. We've got to bring... Um Uh, things out that will help people educate themselves on what they're seeing because they don't know what they don't know. So we have to be able to show them what it is we're doing um, at a very professional level because I remember back in the day when No bar first came out. I was the spokesperson. I was the guy out fighting the battles of people saying that we were animals and that we were not human beings Um, and all these bad things, cop fighting and all these bad things they were saying about us. And now it's a a $4 billion business, right? Um, So – Yeah, so I know the trend of it. I know when people don't know what they don't know and how they can say things that they don't understand. But the only way that you defend yourself from that is basically bring out stuff that people can relate to, which is putting on events, ones that are at a very, very high level with very, very professional fighters and a very, very professional team. And then the more that you do that and the more that they see that and the more professional it is, Then that's more of the acceptance that comes with that, because like I said, when you see something and it's already got a bad thing to it, and then you, as an organization that doesn't know any better, goes in there and does things that uh, they shouldn't do, which is put people in the ring that are not or who are not fighters and put them in there just because they may draw some numbers or something. Now, you're that's a recipe for disaster. This sport has to be taken at a very, very professional level. And you can't take for granted the fighters going into the ring. They have to be cleared by the commission to fight. You can't just throw people in because you think it's going to draw numbers. So, our valor, BK, is that's what we're going to do. We are going to bring the professionalism to bare knuckle.
1: Yeah, and I think someone like you would know that very well because a lot of those early, like, you know, pancreas and UFC fights, as you alluded to, were, in fact, bare knuckles. So you know it from the perspective of a pugilist, but also you can, you know, inform people on a promoter level of things, but you know, something that harkens back to kind of the days of when you were getting all that going on is like the one night tournament sort of style. And it seems like that's gonna be a big feature for this card, the one night, four man heavyweight tournament. Can you talk about just how that all came about as far as like figuring out who to put in to fill out these brackets and just I guess like the concept behind it?
0: Yeah, it's uh, definitely a four man explosion. Um these guys are I mean you want to talk about big hitters. These guys are definitely big hitters. Uh, but it, there's a lot of thought that goes into that, too, because when you talk about bringing guys into a tournament, and, and especially a one night tournament, you, you've got to also look at the character of fighters. you got to make sure you're bringing guys in there that just don't have a, they don't quit. They just keep coming. They don't have that thought in their head of not wanting to come back out for the next fight. I mean, they may get a cut over a hand or maybe even a little sprain or something like that, but nothing's going to stop them from coming out to the fight. Uh, they have that mentality. And I think the biggest thing is also making sure that you, you don't get somebody in there that cuts easy. I mean, you, know, you got to look at him and go, okay, is this guy cut every time he fights? Or has he had maybe a few cuts? Um, so you also look at it like that. you know, you got to have the experience to understand who you're putting in that tournament. And I think a lot of different promotions and matchmakers miss that, uh, of being able to look and see how many times a guy's been cut. Um, and so, especially through that one-man tournament one night, you want to make sure that you try to at least get the best opportunity of guy being able to make it to the next round. And that's just by looking at, the odds of a guy being cut, the odds of guys getting hurt, looking at their past histories, all those things you've got to look at in order put these guys in there. Um, but, like, when you talk about the thought and the process of the guys that were put into this tournament, uh, you know, Richard Goodman is the one that really is a mastermind uh, behind this uh, fight card. He's he's done a tremendous job. I mean, he's brought guys in like Ishii, who's a former World Boxing Champion. I mean, tremendous hands. So, um, I've really. Um, I can't say anything enough about the team we have. Uh, And when when I talked about uh, Gaz Woodruff, uh, who is our CEO, who has put our team together of bringing in the killers of of, of what they do best in this market, Uh, man, I'll tell you what, that's what we got. We got a a team that is really good. And like I said, where we're at right now, I don't think we could have gotten everything done in that and the amount of time that we had to get it done in with the professionalism of how we got it done and with the people that we have involved all the way from the pay-per-view to the international, to the digital, uh, to the ring, I mean, I mean, and to the PR, I mean, you name it. It's good, nothing but the top. It's top-notch. Uh, so we're really excited for September 21st at Four Bears uh, because uh, we've done nothing. Cheap in the sport, we've done nothing to lessen the sport. All we want to do is
1: rise it to the elite level where it belongs. Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like you've done a lot to you know mitigate risk with you know people getting injuries potentially. But I'm kind of wondering if to that point, just for you know ensuring that the tournament goes along scot free and everything, is there going to be maybe like a reserve bout on the card at all, or is there not going to be a, maybe a heavyweight reserve bout for that tournament?
0: No, it would be crazy not to have an alternate with <laughs> the with one-night tournament. I mean, even if you got, I don't care if you got boxing gloves on and they're 20 ounces. You still want to make sure that you got a guy that will step in when somebody can't continue because you know that's a possibility. So we have an alternate with uh, James McSweeney, which in my opinion is a beast in bare knuckle uh, coming out of England. Uh, and then Brian Eden, which will be his opponent, because they'll have to obviously fight as an alternate to, to be able to have the opportunity to step in and fight first. So, um, and our call made event is Jesse Smith and Esteban band, which is in itself, I think, has is, is, is got a chance to be the fight of the night. So, um, again, like I said, I, I'm I, I, Richard Goodman has done a tremendous job on this fight card. and um, I He has a fighter, right? And I've been in a long time. I've seen a lot of things. And I look at this fight card, and I'm excited to see it.
1: Yeah, and you also have, like, some local guys as well who are going to be bringing it on the non-televised portion. How important is it to, you know, give the local guys a platform as well, but also for, you know, getting, like, a good live gate and getting some of, like, the locals around and, you know, just getting fired up on that end of things. So, like, how important is, you know, that portion of the card, both on an action end of things and also for, you know, exposing a lot of local people to it?
0: Well, it's important because you want to make sure that the uh, place that you're um, representing, which is O'Meara's Casino, The Three Tribes, um, that, you know, when they get done at the end of the night, that they're happy. And, um, you know, that's something that we really want to make sure that, that happens. Um, we have a guy named Dane Sayers out of North Dakota, Chris Jensen, North Dakota, Joshua Dyer, uh, who's out of San Diego, and then John Promona, which is out of North Dakota. So we want to make sure that the local people also... Um, they can also have some heroes coming out of there, too. So it's exciting, and I think it's us responsibility, too, to make sure that not just with our pay-per-view audience and our international audience, but our, our local, you know, we want to make sure that they have a great time and that it's a great experience so we can come back.
1: And how exciting is it for you to be in this like promoter sort of role? because it seems like you've encompassed a lot of different roles within mixed martial arts and just fighting in general, being you know a coach, a mentor, a fighter, just really a litany of roles. How exciting is it for you to be in this promoter position and kind of learn the ropes, so to say?
0: Yeah it's fun because um, you know even though I have um, knowledge, uh, galore, I, mean, I think I've done it all. I've seen it all pretty much and, uh, but I haven't been on the other side of it. I mean, a smaller effect I have, but nothing at this stage where um, uh, I'm learning every single day from our team. And I think that was the important part when you put this kind of team together, when you have guys who have pretty much controlled everything uh, all the way through their careers because they were so good at what they do. To be able to put that kind of team together uh, that everybody has an understanding is a give and take uh, because uh, there's so much knowledge involved in our team. Um, that sometimes we all have different thoughts or processes, and we have to be able to work and be able to talk and have communication to be able to come up with the best idea and not think that yours is the best. You've got to be able to look at all of it and be able to come up with what the best idea is. And so I think we've been really uh, uh, fortunate uh, to be able to do that with the type of people that we have on our staff, that we have so much knowledge and so much experience there that – Sometimes it can blow up on you, but up to this point, man, I think everybody has done a great job at being able to understand and being able to filter through all the stuff that we're going through and be able to come up with the best plan.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and you did mention Ishae Smith, you know, former world champion boxer, and going to be stepping in there against a guy who's pretty seasoned on the bare-knuckle circuit as well as in UFC, a guy in Estevan Payon. What are your thoughts on that particular bout there? Because I think that's a really intriguing style matchup and has, you know, fireworks written all over it in that co-main event there.
0: Yeah, like I said earlier, I said that one has the potential of of stealing the the, the show, even though it's, the you know, the heavyweight explosion. Um, I, I That one there is going to be... You know, like I said, that's a sneaker right there. That one could just jump up and bite you like just take over because it can be a big fight. But, um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Anybody that um, sees this card and and, uh, and is going to watch this show, I think that night you're going to really realize that Baron Knuckle is on its way up, and this card is really going to show that.
1: Yeah, for sure, and I'm kind of curious if this heavyweight tournament, is it going to be like an isolated tournament championship? Does the winner of this become the promotion's heavyweight champion? Like, how does it work on that end of things?
0: Yeah, it does. Uh, Whoever wins this tournament, they will be our heavyweight champion. And, you know, up to this point, um, that's something I think that we want to stick with with all of our weight divisions is anybody that carries our strap, um, we want to make sure that we get the best heavyweight, bare knuckle, or the best middleweight. Uh, bare knuckle uh, and we want to do that through a tournament the only problem is like i said it's that's what we want to do but because we move around and we're doing shows at different places sometimes uh some of the sanctioning bodies won't allow a tournament so it'll just depend upon that but that's something i think that um our team uh will talk about and something that i know that we've all kind of talked about trying uh, to deal with all of our weight divisions to be able to move forward and have a tournament uh, and be able to crown our champions through that tournament so we know that whoever does wear our belts have earned it.
1: Yeah absolutely and I'm kind of wondering like what your role going forward with the promotion is going to be obviously you're in the promoter seat as well but I've seen certain things pop out where I think Mark Coleman wanted to get in there and kind of you know share the ring with you and everything like that so can you maybe offer some clarity on that there because I found that to be you know kind of curious.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm the president of uh, of Valor Bare Bear Knuckle, and um, you know that my role is basically to to you know do a lot of media stuff, do a lot of the talks, um, you know oversee the whole the whole company, making sure that um, our team has got everything they need to do the best job that they can, um, and uh, and that's my job as far as being a fighter. You know, there's some things that were set out there. You never. And, There's the funny thing is when people start running with it on some of these different um, talk shows, it's like all of a sudden they start running with this stuff and they start saying how the fight's going to happen. But if you do your research and you really look at what was said, not one time did anybody hear me say I was fighting Mark Coleman. I I, I don't understand how they could take off and run with something like that when only one person said that. (laughs) It It never came out of my mouth. Other than me saying, oh, yeah, by the way, yeah, yeah, sure, but AARP is going to sponsor a fight, and Mark will come out in a wheelchair, and I'll come out in a walker, and whoever wins takes for the other one's retirement home. That's the only thing I ever said about me and Mark fighting. So, uh,
1: yeah, so, you know, let people take that for what it is. Yeah, for sure, and that's why I thought to ask you directly because I was seeing Mark putting it out there as if he wanted to do it, but it didn't seem like there was anything that was concretely in stone. But yet, some of these outlets were kind of running with it as if it was like some official sort of signed fight. So I just figured I'd ask you, you know, directly. Well,
0: I'm glad you did that because that it's kind of disappointing when, when you, especially me, when I started getting all kinds of these different things coming towards me that were disrespectful, some of them were good, some of them were disrespectful about me doing this and doing that. And and I thought to myself, why, how, and and what gave anybody the right to say I was fighting? Because, I mean, you're talking about some guys that have huge followings that literally ran with the story and started talking like, Well, and started saying, I think he's too old, but maybe he needs the money and all this stuff. And I'm thinking, you guys, do you do your homework? Will you at least look at what was said? And if anything ever came out of my mouth that I was fighting, I never said I was fighting. (laughs) So I don't know when they got it. So it's just funny to see uh, some networks that are supposed
1: to be very reputable kind of run with the story yeah definitely some people need to do their due diligence and everything like that and to that point i'm kind of curious to ask about like some of the free agents you guys are maybe looking at at this juncture i saw valor bare knuckle on twitter put out something about how chris cyborg is the hottest free agent how maybe some promoters should come together and kind of work for what's like beneficial for chris overall has there been any level of dialogue with chris's team to get something going with valor bare knuckle in the future or was that just kind of like a general like pleasantry that was put out there through the account kind of thing
0: No, we reached out. There's no question. We reached out. We wanted an opportunity to be able to present something to her. Um, uh, And unfortunately, I think we were, we didn't talk to Chris directly, but um, she never really got an opportunity to hear what we were, what we were willing to offer. And I think that what we were willing to offer her was a potential to make more money than she was going to make anywhere else. But because we were, we never got the opportunity to sit down and do that. um, It's unfortunate because I, 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 You know, I think in a fighter's career, and I've done it myself, so I'm guilty too. Sometimes you let your uh, people that are running your business kind of do too much um, and that you should be able to hear everything and make a decision or at least have an opportunity to say no to that decision and the things that are coming your way. But I don't even think they even got an opportunity to hear what we were even offering, which was a shame because we're not a a, a, a cheap-run business. Uh, We have a a really good uh, investor in backing. Um, We're well set up. We're well funded. We definitely got a killer team, and we're in it for the long haul. So um, sometimes it's a shame to see that, especially knowing Chris and uh, knowing that the opportunity that we can give her, um, it's a shame that we didn't get the opportunity to be able to at least and be able to offer what we were willing to offer and then her be able to, or at least them to be able to say no.
1: Yeah, for sure. I get what you're saying on that end of things, but I also noticed one of the posts you had the other day. You were talking about how you're doing some promotional work and that there's going to be a major announcement coming soon. Is that an announcement you can put out there now, maybe, or if not, when can people expect to hear about this, you know, major announcement?
0: Well, I'm not a major announcement, but it's going to be a major. You know, it's something that I think that when people get to watch um, the fights that uh, we're getting ready to put on, they're going to be able to see it from a, a different perspective. Um, we have something very special. We think it's going to add to the actual uh, visual—I um, don't know what would you call a visual experience—that uh, you will have by watching fights like you've never been able to watch it before.
1: Oh, that sounds curious. Well, I'm looking forward to you know some more details with that announcement and everything like that. But yeah, I mean you know great market and everything like that. I'm just wondering though, have you encountered any? Or do you expect to counter any level of, I guess, like regulatory issues or anything like that? Or do you feel like things have kind of, you know, gotten better on that end of things? Because I talked to David Feldman of BKFC, and I think upwards of 20 states had initially kind of said no to, you know, bare knuckle boxing. Have you encountered any issues with like commissions or any regulatory loopholes you have to jump through at this point, or not so much?
0: Well, quite the obvious. In we've got. States contacting us, wanting us to be, to come in there and do their first bare knuckle because they're going to open it up and they want us to be the first ones to come in and do it. Um, Again, like I said, that comes to the professionalism that we bring to the table. Uh, And so I think it's very important um, that we're able to, to be able to show that. Uh, The one thing I think that, and I've experienced it early on in the bare knuckle world when it was no holes barred and all the bad things that we were having happening is that um, as a, a promotion, and you're going to go into bare knuckle, uh, you should never put anybody in the ring that hasn't deserved or earned the right to be in that ring. And I think that's where a lot of mistakes can be made, is that uh, they're just, a lot of these guys are just reaching out and trying to find fighters to fight for them, and they're not qualified.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I get what you're you know saying with that. But yeah, it seems like you guys have really, like, you know, taken everything and just, you know, trying to get the most comprehensive professional effort out there and everything like that, you know, signing with integrated sports media to, you know, distribute the events and stuff like that. So, yeah, it seems like you guys have a lot of, you know, stuff crossed off in that regard too, like in the sense of you guys are beyond you know, TV and Dish Network, but also, you know, people can stream it through Fight TV online, so covering a lot on the broadcasting end of things for sure.
0: Yeah, that was important. I want to make sure that, um, you know, I know that um – USc is, is uh, you know built a platform out there and and now now they have basically taken um, their business elsewhere which is uh, you know the ESPN and so there's a, there's an opening and we feel like um, you know we can step into there and being able to put on fights that people can be proud of the Y generation they can adopt this as their own because you know uh, we we are our, our fathers our grandfathers great grandfathers had you know, in the main noble ball and in boxing. And uh, this generation, we want to be able to put something out there uh, that is well organized, um, uh, having fighters in there that are very professional, uh, a lot of courage and honor, comes with the name Valor, um, and that the Z generation be proud of that.
1: Yeah, and also it reminds me of like the I guess like the mythos that surrounded MMA in the early days. Like there was this like certain sense of intrigue that kinda surrounded it and like it was this certain like spectacle as much as it was a sport. Is that something that you see in modern bare knuckle? Is that something that excites you on like a promoter level of things? Because I mean, you got to experience something similar while you were a competitor and now you can, you know, promote something like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that spectacle is a is a good word, but we gotta we we have to rise above that, right? Um, we want to make sure we embrace that because it's an opportunity for people to watch. But at the same time, we've got to rise above the spectacle, and we've got to become a bare knuckle organization, valor bare knuckle. And it's got to be something that's professional. Um, at, you know, we got to take care of our fighters. You know, a lot, you got to have insurance. You got to be able to pay them. You know, all these things that come along with an organization uh, taking a spot. Um, and being able to take uh, this thing, the Valor Bare Knuckle, to another level so that people um, will accept it right now. It's just right now, like you said, it's kind of a spectacle. But we have to rise above that and have it accepted as, as an, uh, a combat sport.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is, you know, very exciting and everything like that, just seeing this all move along and everything. So, really excited to see, you know, what transpires with the first show. But you've been great with your time, man. I'm curious if there's anything you want to add as a parting thought as we're wrapping things up here.
0: Yeah, I just want to say that, um, you know, first of all, I'm excited to be able to uh, take my knowledge and the things I've learned over the years and being able to um, bring this bare knuckle out to the fans and. And, uh, and so for the Y and Z generation, man, we want you to be we want you to be proud of this, and be able to embrace this as your own. So um, we're putting our best foot forward. We're not in this for the short term. We're in this for the long haul. Uh, we're not going anywhere, and we want to make sure um, at the end of the night on September 21st at Full Bears Casino, um, when that show is done, uh, Valor Bear Bernardino will be on its way. And um, uh, have fun, man. Get on the ride and enjoy.
1: Yeah, I can't think of someone better for this kind of position. We got the world's most dangerous promoter getting out there, and people can check out VBK1, the inaugural event. It goes at the new event center, Four Bears Casino and Lodge, and that is in Newtown, North Dakota, Saturday, September 21st, is the day to be marked on the calendar. And just really appreciate all the time and insights there, Ken. Best of luck with preparing for the show, and you enjoy the rest of your day too, man.
0: Yeah, I appreciate you, man. Thank you.
2: Now, wasn't that fun? Ken Shamrock back in action, sort of, running his own organization, Valor BK. Thanks for doing that interview, Ken, and thanks for running things on that interview, Dylan. Much appreciated. Once again, thanks to Jen Wank PR for Valor BK for setting that bad boy up. So make sure you follow MMA Sucka on Twitter at MMA Sucka. Follow us on Instagram at MMA underscore Sucka. Follow myself on Twitter at JeremyBrand604 and on Instagram, Jeremy underscore 604. Now we've got some cool stuff coming up on the YouTube page, so make sure you check out MMA Sucka on YouTube for all your video needs. Without further ado, doesn't make sense. I'm going to bid you adieu, sayonara, and I'll be back next week.